0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. It keeps going. The podcast continues. It keeps going Going? How was uh, how's everything with you guys? How was the weekend? Everything all right? The comedy's been okay. I'm okay. I'm relatively healthy. I get up. I do the yogas. I do the meditating. I talk to the cats. But there's some heavy heartedness going on. I had a dream about Lynn. It was a bizarre one. It was nice to see her though. Hadn't seen her in a while. But it was this giant space. It was like a white, it was almost like like a dome, like a white dome, like the size of many football fields. It was an expansive space that was, it felt outdoors, but it was indoor. There was a, it was grass. It was like a huge field. And I, I walk into this space. It was almost like the Truman Show. And I'm supposed to perform there, but I don't know, I can't tell where anyone's going to sit or where to even stand. It just seems too big. There's no, there's no like center to it. There's no point of focus. And I'm like, well, do I just stand here? Where are the people going to be? And it's just like, it's just expansive, but clearly inside and in almost like a field. And someone says, your guitar's over there. And it was way over there, like a half a mile away, leaned up like on a chair. And I walked all the way over there. I'm like, am I supposed to play? I mean, that seems like, how am I going to work this room? It's huge. Like, it seems like miles wide. How do I work that space? And I walk over. I just like walk all the way across to where the guitar is. And there is a little seating area. And Lynn is there. And I hug her, and she tells me that Marlon Wayans will uh, be available for the uh, podcast the closer we get to the Respect movie. And I'm like, why are you telling me that? And I'm like, do you still love me? She goes, yes. Do you love me? I'm like, yes. And then there was just a moment where we hung out for a second, and I woke up. I think uh, Marlon Wayans kind of fucked up that dream for me. Like, how did he wedge his way? Why did that bit of information... Because well, you know, I do. I am going to talk to him before respect opens. But why did that have to worm its way into uh, hang to hanging out with Lynn? Do you know what I mean? Dreams are tricky, right? Who knows? James Murphy is on the show today from LCD Sound System. It was a long time. I'll tell you, I got feelings about it. Somehow or another, to be honest with you, to be candid, to be up front, I missed LCD Sound System. I missed the entire event of it. I missed a lot of bands in the early aughts, mid aughts, whatever. I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't involved with music. I wasn't doing comedy. I was wandering around doing comedy. And then I was out here trying to get traction doing comedy. I didn't give that much of a fuck about music. You know, I listened to it. I I was you know, I tried to stay up to speed, but I was not in it like I am now. And I, for some reason, I remember a while back, I did a short, I did some sort of short doc voiceover for DFA Records. But I always, you know, my experience with LCD sound systems is like, well, these guys are kind of white people, dance music. It's kind of, I can hear all what they are. I can hear what they're drawing from. I hear the talking heads. I hear some Bowie. I hear some Fall. I hear... I guess like some, I don't really know the Smiths, but the cures in there. Like I, I understand the sources, but I didn't really give it a deep listen, but I could never get a handle on James, you know, I, and I, and I sort of dismissed it and I was sort of cranky about it. And I, and I projected a lot of stuff onto him that I knew nothing about. And he's been sort of hovering, not hovering, but he's been on the periphery of the show for a while. And I finally just locked into the music and really kind of leaned into it and listened to it. And it's great. It's very easy to listen to. There's a lot of great music there, a lot of great production, great songs. But I still don't know who James is, really. So I I was looking forward to, with some apprehension, you know, talking to him. And uh, we did it. We did the conversation. And of course, we have things in common. And I get it. He's I wish I had the discipline some people have. I wish, not even discipline, I wish I was obsessed in a more focused way that had more follow-through. I wish I was compulsive and obsessed uh, in a nerdy way that would force me to fully immerse myself in nuance of any one thing, as opposed to sort of like go all in, you know, get satisfied and then get out. Where's the commitment? Um, so, James Murphy is here, and he doesn't have to put, pl- he's not plugging anything. It was just time for us to talk. That's all that, it, you know, and I I got up to speed as much as I could on LCD. I enjoy LCD sound system, I enjoyed the records. And uh, I like, he's a good friend. A, he's a good friend of my buddy uh, Sam Whipsight. He's a friend of Sharpwings. We have friends in common, and it, it was a nice talk. So, this is me talking to James Murphy. Murphy, you've got those headphones. It doesn't sound like they're a good thing.
1: No, I just like I, I. I wish there was a way I could turn up or down how much transparency.
0: Holy shit! I mean, I can't. Like, I'm just doing Garage Band, and I, you know, and, and that's that's too much for me. I don't even know what the full extent of what GarageBand does. I just know how to do the voice thing.
1: But you just record yourself and that's it?
0: I record myself, or if someone's sitting in here, I record them and I ride the levels on my dumb little six-channel mixer that I don't understand. But I believe that I've convinced myself, James, that, uh, that my lack of intelligence or, or know-how around this stuff gives me integrity.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you and I are similar age. Yeah, Oh, I'm 57. Well, I mean, at one point, hold on. I was I'm your age, yeah. At one point, no. At one point, we were very different ages. Yes, Cause I, I'm 51. Yeah, and now we're basically the same age, right? No, yeah, because nobody, yeah, I get cause it. nobody I get. gives a shit about the d- d- discrepancy with of dudes in their 50s. That yes, nobody I, I, nobody I think wants that's true. to hear that 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 nobody's like, oh no, we're totally I'm 51 and 57. Like that's not a discrepan that's not a, a distinction anyone cares about.
0: Well, you sort of level off somehow. Yeah, I don't. It seems like you were a a lot more excited and interested about things than I was. But do you have children?
1: I do. I have two kids.
0: Oh well, see that's well, that makes you very different than me. I'm still, uh, you know, just a fucking idiot with a record player. Um,
1: (laughs) It doesn't stop me from being an idiot with a record player. But I am an (laughs) idiot with a record player who have people that fuck uh, with your record player. (laughs) Well, <laughs> remarkably, I've gotten both of them to not do that too much. Oh, yeah? And my youngest son, really, my, my older one, who's my son, really likes records, and he's always liked records, and it, was, it took a little time for him to not fuck with the records. Yeah. But, How old is but he? He's six. Oh, okay. But my, my daughter, uh, she's only pulled a couple of records off of a shelf, whereas for him it was a while of being like, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that.
0: So he's really interested, and he remained yes. interested.
1: Yes, he's a music person, and she it remains to be seen. She can't speak yet.
0: Oh well, I you know I I think that I have t- cats, and they're actually worse with records. There's more to worry about with cats oh. and records.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I had a cat scratching up the whole, uh, <laughs> destroying the entire uh, spine. Yeah,
0: the they yeah they destroy everything. So I guess we have a, a common friend in Sam Lipsite.
1: We do, we do have a very good common friend in Sam website.
0: Yeah, I love Sam, and uh, you know, I've ta- I talk to him frequently. We're now we're currently developing a television show
1: together. Actually, I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, we're not in active development. We're just trying to sell it, man.
1: I mean, I tried to develop a show with Sam, and it got me nowhere. So D- is that true? Yeah, we did. We worked on a show for a while. What was that um, about? Um, we worked with a, with our friend Jay Green, Jason Green. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was initially called the worst. Yeah. Um, but then there was a show came out and got picked up called you're the worst, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And we were like the best. Um, it went, uh, it went nowhere. When was that? Oh, years ago. It's, uh, I want to say it was like two years ago, but that probably means about six years ago.
0: So somewhere in the interim between the or after you retired,
1: yeah, I think it started before we started playing again was for that sure, yeah, was, was, for t- sure. W-
0: was TV writing something because I know you have some of it in your past somehow or at least were like thought of uh, to do it was that uh, one of the uh, beginnings of your creative uh, ideas for yourself?
1: No, not at all oh. um, th- this was a this was a, a weird little lark. I was like, hey, let's make a show. Yeah. Um. And it was basically my friend Jay's really funny. I think he uh, he needs like a vehicle. Like uh, yeah. that was my like that was my sort of feeling. It's like I really right. want like a, v- a vehicle for my friend Jay.
0: Let's help and Jay out.
1: I, I want to, but and I want well, I just think I want to see it. So it's helping yeah. me. It's helping him. Um. It's helping the world. And of course. I was like, let's let's write a show together. W- you know, together with him. And I was like, and then we decided we why don't we call Sam because we like Sam. And uh, and it seemed like why not why don't these three guys just hang out once in a while and try to show a genius it's gonna be great ourselves we made ourselves laugh yeah um and did you actually get into the uh, selling of it well this was the mistake i made i think Uh uh-huh i my first instinct was like look let's just make a pilot like i'll just get some money together um we had shot the lcd film and that was shot by uh Reed Murano prim- primarily, uh, like who was like a super cinematographer and now is like a big director and she's like a good friend. And I was like, maybe she'll help us shoot the pilot. Like we know enough good people. That was that the big can... concert
0: movie. The final concert thing. Yes. In the doc?
1: We, yeah. And I was like, we know enough good people that we can, you know, make, get something together. That's what I wanted to do. And then suddenly we got into like, well, maybe, you know, I do have a manager and a manager works with people and I have an agent at Wayne Morris. <laughs> yeah. like, Maybe we can get somebody to help develop it. And yeah. that just was a big mistake. So we started talking to somebody and then... They were like, yeah, I can totally help. And then they were like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we need to... Should we do a table read? It just became... As opposed to me just being like, why don't I make this dumb thing? It's going to cost me X amount of money. Right. We're not going to go crazy. Like, right. We're going to do it in an apartment. The scenes in an apartment, we'll use our friend's apartment. The scenes outside, we'll just steal. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um. I, you know, I can borrow a camera or rent a camera. Let's just do it. And then we'll have yeah. a pilot. And if nobody picks it up, at least we have this show we can show our friends and we're happy. Or... We can go down the like self doubt road where you're getting people's opinions before anybody's seen anything, and you know yeah, you worst. do a table read, and you're like, Is this, "Does this does make any sense?" And then Jay's like, "Why don't we do it without me in it?" And I'm like, "What's the point of that?" Yeah. Um, so we kind of just uh, lost lost momentum, and I and I, I that's happened to me, but that's the second time that's happened to me in my life. A third time is happening in my life, and that should be three strikes. And, and that I should never do. With again.
0: with TV writing specifically, no. With
1: projects, like I've only ever been happy when I'm just like I'm going to do this dumb thing that's a bad idea, and then I do it. In the '80s, I used to record on four track. Uh, I had a cassette four track. Um And that's much rec- different
0: than where you're sitting now.
1: It's much <laughs> different than where I'm. It, it is, and it isn't. Yeah. Um I was an autodidact, so I kind of like figured this stuff out and just made recordings all the time. And I really liked them.
0: So it was one of those things where you could just sit by yourself and lay the drums down, lay the guitar down. You could actually probably get eight tracks out of it if you were clever.
1: Well, what I would do, I could get six tracks because I could do four tracks of like drums, bass, guitar, something else. And then I'd mix them down to two and then I'd get two more tracks. So I'd have the instrumental mix and then I'd do vocals or whatever on the other tracks. Yeah, yeah. And... When I was seventeen in nineteen eighty-seven, I decided I'm going to put a record out. so sure. I'm going to go to a real studio, and record. <laughs> yeah. And so I saved up all my money and I worked and I rented the studio time and I went and it was a disaster because this guy I remember this guy, who's I'm sure the nicest guy in the world who's was doing his best, uh, uh, and he kept t- he was talking about the pyramid of sound. I'd be like, okay, I want the bass through this guitar amp it's all trebly and it's got reverb on it He's like you know what let me tell you about the pyramid sound down here is the bass and the kick drum yeah and then on top of that you might have your piano and i was just like this sucks like i don't want to make a fucking fleetwood mac record like I, everything i listen to is all scrappy and weird sounding yeah um and instead i just got bullied in this like i got pushed around a fleetwood mac of. record and and no but it just was neither it sounded right. like it winds up sounding like a jingle, like because it's neither what I would make, which is so he couldn't.
0: Um, honor your vision cuz you didn't work together and he was just an engineer trying to do his job for a kid that's got an idea.
1: Yeah, I'm like a 17-year-old kid who's only just recorded himself and doesn't know how mics work.
0: And you wanted him to just magically understand why you wanted the bass to sound like a, uh, you know, a rev a car rumbling or something.
1: I wouldn't know that that was a thing. Like I had never experienced trying to communicate with people about music. I just yeah. I, I it was for me it was like I would I would just keep doing this until I, I was happy.
0: But it seems like this was actually the, the The mountain you chose to die on
1: well, uh, there are all mountains <laughs> I choose to
0: die on but I, I mean just... like that that dynamic right there for you know it seems for you getting the sounds you want out of the equipment with the people you want to do that was the life
1: yeah yeah that's basically <laughs> that's that's basically <laughs> the whole thing i don't really i don't <laughs> do much else
0: and but so so that didn't work out, but ultimately that journey kind of paid off
1: yeah when we made the when the when Early days of DFA Records, we had the Rapture who's your partner in, in
0: that? Jonathan is that his name?
1: Jonathan John Galkin, yeah. Although he started his own label now.
0: Oh well, Galkin. Like I feel like we were talking about talking many years ago. Like Galkin was sending me records probably in two thousand twelve, eleven or twelve, I think. Yeah. Like he was sending. Like I remember, like uh, Princehorn Dance Hall. Is that dance Prince Prince school? Yeah, Princehorn Dance I, School. I love that those records. Yes. but he me was sending too. me. A, he was sending me a lot of records and I you know, oddly, and I'll just give you some back background on, on me and you, like I somehow missed the the event of, of L C D. You know, what I mean, I don't know what I was doing, I don't know where I was, but there's, there's a, a whole- life No, but there was a whole chunk of life where you know I've always considered myself somebody who likes music, but I was just disconnected from music that was happening. It was I think I was obsessed with comedy. I don't I don't know you know you know those years where they got lost or what I was prioritizing. So in a lot of ways, like I just I would look at you and I'd like I'd see you on a boat doing something. I don't were you ever on a boat doing something?
1: Yes, yes, yes. When you narrated the 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 movie. The short film. That's right. I was on a, Okay. I was, on a, I was on a. I was on the boat.
0: Because yeah. right, that, they asked me to do the short film. God, damn I'm spacing all of it. And I'm like, I don't. What does this guy do? Is he on a boat? He's got a beard. What is he? What is the this guy? And I gotta be like, and I would listen to your stuff here and there, but like, it wasn't until two days ago where I'm like, I get it. I get the whole thing now. So it's all fresh to me, James. That's what oh, I'm nice. saying. nice and I I enjoyed it And we like all the same things and I don't know why I prejudged everything but I'm like what's he doing on a boat so
1: like I I, well well. I I mean to be fair you can't be judged you can't be hard on yourself for that because I one I played the fool in that on purpose like I totally played the fool which I was enjoying like I was just being I wasn't if you were looking at that footage being like what's this guy about I was giving you very little to go on yeah Um, I was playing the dummy
0: I guess if I would have known the history of you, you know, I would have got it. But like, you know, I was just sort of being an earnest, you know?
1: Yeah, well, that's f- fine. Uh, and <laughs> so also, I was, I was the I've, idiot. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that, that at varying ebbs and arcs of my late era career, yeah. um, big chunks and swaths of the time, I would not have liked me from a For distance. For what reasons? Not that, not I would, not if I'd paid attention, but I think I could have been like, eh, you know, cause, cause I'm like, there's too many people saying shit about this guy. I don't buy it. Like, or whatever. Like we, I've, I haven't, I'm in no danger of being under, like underappreciated. I feel like, I feel like I've gotten more than my due of appreciation and respect. Yeah. And there have been times when the noise around projects I'm working on have been louder than I would expect. And I could see myself on the outside just being like, I don't want to hear about this guy.
0: Like, like let me ask you, though, like, because I, I mean, be, going back to the same age thing, like I I spend a lot of time wondering whether or not I'm done. And then on on, on the other side of that, I spend a lot of time thinking like, well, would would that be a terrible thing? Uh, you know, why do I care? You know, I'm I'm okay financially. What what is it? What is it that I I? Uh, what are we working for here? You, you know what right. I mean? Am I just going to repeat myself? It seems like I'm talking about the same things over again. You know, and now I'm playing guitar with like I started rehearsing with a with a trio, and I'm like, is this necessary? Does the world need another 57 year old white dude thinking like I'm going to play guitar now? Like I I don't know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Do you feel? Like you have realized yourself that you exist, that, that you are, you know, when people hear something like eh, that, Murphy or, you know, like they, do you think that you are exactly who you're supposed to be?
1: I don't, I mean, I don't think that's possible. Oh. Like, I mean, I, I don't think you get, I don't think, I mean, I know what I'm annoyed with, with myself and with my work. Um, like what? I just, not enough of it. Not enough work. I, yeah, I'm not prolific. I'm not prolific enough.
0: That's a, like that was that makes my job easier. It's like there's only four records, you know. Right. But I
1: <laughs> But that's humiliating. Like the Beatles knocked you, that out in like two and a half years. Like yeah, it's but, like but
0: that, You can't compare yourself to the Beatles. You tried No, you I'm not.
1: I'm just but I'm just saying that like I get in it. general, like and I think part of that is the world and everything is precious and it all has to be perfect and and uh everything has to then be like when I make a record when a, when a band made a record like a long time ago, they just made a record, and they they would maybe stop playing a couple of shows, go to the studio for a day and a half, and it's an album um, of the songs they've already been playing, and no one's heard them unless they went and saw them. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like oh a record okay well I'm gonna make a record I'm gonna make it alone in a studio and I'm gonna make it for like six months because everything's gotta be fucking you know rumors and, and then when you're done with it then they turn it into like oh that's great okay well we gotta do you have art I was like oh I gotta make the art okay so there's the art to make and then okay well there's, oh, that's great the record's done we need some content I'm like well isn't that the fucking content and then you're like no we need a video and, and some content so we're gonna do yeah. some and then, and then you, every record's a world tour I mean, world tours were called world tours. They were like a world tour, like Elton John world tour because only people like Led Zeppelin or Elton John did them and they did them once. Like there'd be like the 1976 Yellow Brick Road tour. (laughs) Yeah. And you'd have jackets and they were like, he went everywhere. He was in (laughs) Japan. Like I DJ in Japan just because somebody thinks that maybe it's an idea. Yeah, Like the the, the kind of non-making-a-record commitments are just a lot bigger. And so... That naturally slows down, like the kind of like making of music process, like the ancillary shit.
0: Right. So yeah. you as a personality, but that, what the the type of record making you're talking about is is of a certain level. I mean, theoretically, you know, you could do a record without all of that and maybe do more records, but then yes. the question is, like, would anyone give a shit?
1: You know. Well, I don't know. I mean, like the way I make records also happens to be a slow burn. Uh, because I'm simultaneously like living in the modern world where like, you know, I can do whatever I want because I there's limitless amounts of tracks in the digital world and all this other stuff. But I also live in the kind of I'm old enough that I kind of am stuck in this kind of Luddite world where I have to use a console and I do use real equipment and it's all very clumsy and cumbersome at the but same time. But you like so that, I'm, don't you? I mean isn't that yeah, a choice? I, lo- I love it. I love it. But I mean like uh, there's things that I th- that I think ran smoother when you couldn't do that because you'd have to get a bunch of really good musicians and you'd have to figure out the parts then you'd go play it a few times and you'd be like the third one's the one
0: I was talking about that to the guy at the stereo store it's funny cuz like today you know before I like this morning my big dilemma was like hey should I go pick up my Marantz 2275 that's being rebuilt before I talk to James or should I wait and then I'm going to have to go, like, my life is revolving around old equipment and stuff. But I like yesterday, I listened to the Bo Brummel's, you know, Bradley Barn record, you know, and then like, I but I talked to the stereo guy because I just got these ridiculously expensive speakers. And we were talking, I was talking to him about how old records sound great on these ridiculously uh, expensive speakers. And he's like, yeah, that's because, you know, they didn't have to fuck with technology. They didn't have to, they just laid it down and that was that and it's it sounds perfect they have fewer phase
1: concerns yes
0: right and but like what you're saying about prolific and also the distraction of being asked to dj in japan i mean you know i i mean i get what you're saying but did you do you feel it seems to me that less is more because you would have had a bigger opportunity to hack yourself and it doesn't seem you would you would probably would have driven yourself crazy if you were expected to churn out the same record over and over again
1: yeah, I mean, if I worked better with other people, it might be easier because I'd be, I'd, I'd share, sort of, I, I, I would, you know, you can bounce off people and get out of your head, but I'm just not good at that. So, but this, so, but I,
0: but you're, but you're essentially a, uh, I guess, on some level, you're. It seems that, from what I can feel of the music. You know, there's a lot of the stuff that I like involved in your brain. You know, like Can, uh, Talking yeah. Heads. Eno, Bowie. Uh, you know, they, I, some people I don't know, but I I, they, I kind of feel them at the edge of things, and I and I and I and I can feel those references. But it seems like you're just infusing this into a, a type of uh, of uh, of dance music almost, right? In Sometimes, a way, yeah. Sometimes yeah. straight
1: up dance music, yeah.
0: Right. So, and it, but it seems like
1: a good part of your job is that of a band leader. Yeah? Yeah, well, live I'm um, yeah, the, I mean live the L, like LCD for I think is kind of two things. It's a it's a records that I make, mostly make with and without my f- friends. And sometimes those friends are the members of the live ba- of the band LCD sound system, sometimes they're just other friends and like right. we've always been a group of I'm very I've been incredibly lucky late in life. Um I don't mean late in life like I'm seventy, but I mean like I didn't have a lot of friends in my teenage years or my twenties why i i'm i'm a I'm a particular flavor man like I'm not that easy to get along with in some ways well
0: what type of like what was what was your specific assholeness
1: I wasn't asshole I just wasn't that easy to be around. I wasn't cool, I wasn't laid back. I'm not laid back. I'm pretty uptight and you weren't cool i'm not i was not cool like i I was i would bring the cool level of a room down like i was always the fart in the fucking in the room at the party you know what i mean like well is this for
0: going back to high school what you grew up in new
1: jersey yeah no i'm just yes okay i found the cassettes uh, of all my music that i've made I, i lost them for a long time and i found finally found these series of boxes of cassettes from the starting 1981 to 1991 it's like 10 years of just me making music on four track and stuff
0: in high school
1: yeah and before like junior high school high school yeah and um, what you
0: were what did you play instruments
1: i played everything yeah i played drums and guitar and bass and keyboards and you were good stuff. at those things i was i was a good guitar player i was a much better guitar player then than i am now yeah but drums a lot of, I, a lot of times drum machine yeah um so i was good at that yeah, you know, press the yeah. buttons. Sounds would come out of them. Um, so you're you're sitting
0: at home in New Jersey. Yeah. Do you have uh, like? Would you have brothers and sisters?
1: I do, but they're they're a lot older. I'm a Catholic surprise. I'm the fourth and last of a of an Irish family. Yeah. Oh wow. So, so
0: you're <laughs> old, older parents.
1: My, my father was born in 1931. My grandfather in 1898. So yeah.
0: Wow. So like. <laughs> You had a lot of like how many old? Well, you got older brothers and sisters.
1: Not nothing crazy, uh, pretty small. I mean, four, there were four of us. So my older sister and brother are ten and eleven years older than me.
0: But that means there was a lot of stuff at the house left over, like music, oh, totally. records. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, they, they, I grew up. I grew up listening to records and yeah, my brothers, brothers and sisters' records. Right. Like spent a lot of time doing
0: that. A lot of posters in their room, kind of deal. In my room? No, in their and, room. Your brothers? No,
1: more in my room. Uh. I was the poster kid. Okay. I was kid with My brother had a couple of posters. He was more into like prog rock and stuff.
0: Oh, so that plays in, huh?
1: Like you yes and utopia and Pink Floyd. I,
0: I, can you get into Utopia?
1: I have I struggle with Utopia.
0: Me too. I and and yes, you know, it was weird cuz I like when I listen to, you know, losing my edge or any of the stuff that you're talking like i'm so fucking late to this party like i just started re, you know re- you know getting into vinyl you know within the last decade right and right. i grew up with yes you know i'm i'm seven years y- y- older than you and yes was like outside of roundabout and one other song i was like what an annoying bunch of dudes you know wow. and but like, I put on one of their records. I put on Fragile on The Good System. Like, I bought it. I didn't own it's it. It's ridiculous. Right. It ridiculous. is ridiculous. But you know what's so ridiculous good. about it? It's like, they're just a band. You can hear yeah. the guys playing yes. on that.
1: Yes. Yes. At the time, it sounded alien because they were so, like... Exactly. And you hear and it now, and it sounds, like, rough. It sounds like the blues. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then you're sort of like, oh, my God. These guys were locked in, yeah. you know? It's the bass player i mean that i love. i have an absolute undying love for yes like chris squire the bass player his bass sound is almost identical to the bass sound in the stranglers it's just this r- screaming distorted yeah. bass sound and he controlled it ridiculously it's a they're a tough band um, yeah
0: I, I had no idea i thought they were a bunch yeah. of pussies and i was like no this is real
1: yeah and they're and they're they're, they're, they're i went on a huge Yes. Well, I sort of like I hit the revelation that you can find anything on YouTube one time. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, I can just find out everything about Yes. That's weird now yeah. as an adult. Yeah. And I went on this huge YouTube, YouTube binge of like every interview with everybody and all the live footage and just learned all these very strange things about them that I found really interesting. Like, Like, there's a lot of class stuff in that band where like Chris Squire and like Bill Bruford are like upper class kids and like John Anderson's like more of a working class guy. Right. And like, like John Anderson is like the kind of the singer. He's like a little bit of the one who's like, you know, elves and fairies and, and like, but he's also the one that's like keeping the shit together. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're do we're yes. This is what we're doing. Like, and and like, I feel like he was like ride or die in a way like that, that some of the other guys were less so, but do you do crimson? I like them. I like, there are things about King crimson that I like the most. But I have funny feelings about, um, I, don't like this, the funny yep. I don't like the funny stick bass. I don't like, that drives me nuts.
0: Just the, the idea of it, you know. The it's sound, not the, sound it's, of it,
1: the, the idea, like the bass was fine. Bass it does sound a little was, uh, weird stiff I bass is a great instrument let's yeah. just let's let's wait till we beat it yeah, but there it was something annoying
0: on. about that what's his name levin the guy with the his, his head yes. shaved he's got yes. the dumb bass you know yes. it, it, images counts for a lot you know
1: yeah and it's corny <laughs> as shit yeah and but i have a th- i have feelings about Fripp, who's like a, a real a partial hero to me i i
0: You know, I got turned on to him when I was like, I have a weird sort of, I have sort of a blues based brain, but like when I was in high school, I I worked at a bagel place next to this record store and and one of the guys there was one of the, you know, sort of an art rock guy and he turned me on to, you know, League of Gentlemen and Frippin' Eno when I was in high school and, uh, and like, I couldn't quite wrap my brain around it, but then, you, you know, I grew like when Scary Monsters came out, I was like, holy shit, what is this, you know? And I guess heroes too. But one time, like he was kind of a dick to me on an airplane and that ruined it for a few years. But I'm, I'm okay with him
1: now. It doesn't surprise me. No, I, I just feel like he's, I feel like uh, the ways in which I feel like musical insecurities and confidences play out in each musician, it, it determines whether I'm going to like them or not. And yeah. I think the way they play out in Fripp, I do not like. The way that, he, I think he's one of the most natu- gifted Like He's really skilled, obviously. He's practiced a lot. He's a very good guitar player. But I think he's one of the most gifted natural guitar players. I feel like he's a very gifted natural musician. I feel like his sense of where things go is beautiful. But I think something in him seems to not trust that. So when he writes music, when he's composing, when he's like, hey, here's the King Crimson song. It's like, here's this great part. And now it's fucking annoying for eight bars. Right. And I'm like, he just has to ruin it. Whereas when you're like, hey... And Eno and and Bowie are like, come on over and play some guitar. He's incredible. Like, right. he just R- right, just let go. That, yeah. the stuff that comes out of him naturally is amazing. He's like, as if there was somebody who's a great actor who could just do it, but then they're going to go do some weird method thing and ruin it.
0: Yeah, it's like that scene in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid where, you know, they're, they they got to shoot the the wood chip to prove that they can shoot, and he just stands still and he's shooting at it and he misses it. And, uh, and Struther Martin's like, that's terrible. And he's like, well, can I move? <laughs> then he like, he jumps into a, his little stance and boom, 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 boom. And of course, you know, it, the natural thing. And when he was right, trying right. to do it, it was terrible. But when he was just allowed to be himself, he could do it.
1: Yes. I just think there's sometimes that's, but I think we don't necessarily value what we're good at because it feels automatic.
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, it can't be enough, obviously, if yeah. you're of a certain type. But have you watched those uh, those videos of him and his wife? I think you really see him. No, They're doing all these YouTube videos where they're covering songs. She comes out in like a costume and they're doing like Nirvana and Sabbath and she's singing and he's just standing there with a Les Paul playing these fucking songs. No, I haven't seen any of that. Oh, you got to go watch that because, you know, it's, it's just, he's not, it's happening in the moment. He's not making, he's got no self-consciousness at all. And you right. can really see how he's sort of, it's like, you know, like Jimmy Page, there's a clunkiness to it that you would never expect. Yeah. Right.
1: yeah. I would just like, I mean, there'd be very few guitar players I'd rather have. Co- I'd rather be like, just come play once. Have you done that with him? No, I've never. I don't do that with anybody.
0: Well, okay. So let's get back to that. Well, the, before we get back to that, it's like again, like when I was in New York and I was just sitting around, I had one can cassette because Rollins had said he liked can, and I, you know, I couldn't fucking lock in, and now I can't get enough of that. And and when I listen yeah. to some of the, uh, you know, the LCD stuff, just the the length and the, the process of of how it builds, it's like it's a lot like can. You must have listened to a lot of that guys. A those lot guys. of.
1: Can. That's like one of my favorite, all-time favorite bands, yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. and, th- and like they're, I mean, I think as a model, sort of similar to, you know, they don't they don't always all of a sudden make a record when you're like, well, you're not like, what the fuck is this? But there is a, an evolution and a difference in how they approach a lot of different stuff. And it seems like as a model, that's probably closer to what you do than most things, huh?
1: Well, yeah, except for a couple of key things, which are, you know, Can are people who were like conservatory hyper-trained conservatory musicians. Like,
0: yeah,
1: Er Er Erwin Schmidt, the keyboard player, won the like this like young conductor award or something. It was like in went to went to New York with this having won this European young conductor award. All these guys like taught at like conservatories and you know were like hyper-educated classical and jazz musicians. Jackie Liebezi was like the premier European free jazz drummer. So, they were all like these super high level people. And then, you know, they heard the Velvet Underground and shit and were just like, let's just go be repetitive. Right. And, <laughs> and, but then, but played together eight hours a day. Like, there's no band that replicates the weirdness of Can. I mean, I would, I would almost argue, weirdly, I would say like the Ramones are in a weird way just Can with the onset of the wrong speed. Yeah. Like, uh, there's something similar about like the purity of their idea that I think is really something. But like, I don't think there's anything like, I'm not like Can at all. I love them, and I want to say, like, they've influenced me not just through them, but through the bands that they influenced, like Public Image Limited and The Fall. Like, I got my Can first through the bands that they influenced, and then I found the source. But it
0: seems like they were not afraid to you know mix up form, you know, no. within records, you know, no. and 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 to the point, well, you know, it was clear that they weren't gunning for hits, so they were able to do what they wanted to do.
1: But they had hits. This is the weird thing as a as a as a non-German. Yeah. Like we think of Can as like this, like, oh, have you heard about Can? It's like suicide right. or something. Yeah. Like you know, it's like <laughs> underground, underground. Like right. oh, well, right. You, you know, the Modern Lovers before everyone knew what they were. Yeah. Can had hits in Germany. They had like big hits. They were on TV and shit. Like they yeah. had like they charted. They wow. were like in. There was a moment where they're playing the song "I Want More" on like a sitcom. Like, where they're the band at the beach party playing a song. It's, it's, it's this, it's this, there's nothing quite like it. It's the strangest thing.
0: So how did you, like, you know, from high school, because I know you were in a, like, you had a band before LCD. I had a bunch of bands. But like, what, how did you arrive at, like, how did you decide, like, this sucks and I'm going to do this other thing? I mean, with each band. I mean, you were kind of gunning for like pretty straightforward alt rock for a while right
1: yeah i mean i wanted friends uh, i mean like early on i wanted to make music you yeah. know i just wanted to make music i just wanted to get out of my town make music maybe i'll meet other people um making music that would be like me because i had bands as a kid and that's what i was right. saying in the beginning like i found these cassettes and i found this cassette from like 82 yeah you know, 12 playing with my two friends paul and dale and we were like playing the song we wrote and you can hear them all laughing and having fun and then you can hear them being like, "Oh, that was cool, good." And you can hear me pretending to be calm. <laughs> pretending to be like, "Yeah, that was fun, you guys. Let's do it again, but let's all come in together." Like like I, I'm like I'm not fun like they were like oh this is great we're in a band too maybe I'm going to be on the track team and maybe we'll go to a party and I'm like yeah I'm going to be in this band we're going to be in this band we're going to be a really good band let's work on the band we have band meeting and like I was just ruining it for everybody like so when I got to New York I moved to New York when I was 19 in 89 I was like oh amazing I'm in New York I'm going to meet all these people and the same shit Uh, like I just was no fun and I wasn't get. I wasn't easy. I just. I'm not easy. I'm not easy. I'm not like at ease in a social situation. But 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 knowing that
0: is there is there some corrective in your brain? Do you do you uh, do you act as if now? Do you want to change that? It seems like I, now you keep saying that, but you just no, accept it.
1: I've changed. I mean, I, I'm still naturally. The, I'm still the person I was. Um, but a lot of things have changed in my life. That a lot of experiences. I've had different experiences that have changed me. Um, even though the the Raw materials are the same. I, I've had some experiences that that changed me.
0: You can identify them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, one was just like I went to I went to therapy a lot, and I gave up. Um, I, I didn't even give up. I gave up control. I was a very controlled person. I still am, but I was like, I'm gonna. I've fi- I, I tried to figure out everything on my own. And um,
0: what was it? Why? I, did, where did that come from? Was there chaos in the house growing up?
1: But I mean, no, I had a very, I had a very like, in, in a certain way, I had an incredibly stable family. Like, yeah. I remember thinking one time that if I threw this, I remember looking in my living room and being like, if I threw this chair through the window of my living room out into the front lawn, yeah. my father would simply make me pay for the repairs, to the chair and the glass. Like, I would just... It, he would just get it fixed tomorrow. Right. And then there'd be a bill, and I would pay it off with some interest if it took me a while, and then there'd be, like, that's thats the thing. That was the... The punishment was I would just take responsibility for it. I, I would never... they would never hit me. He would yeah. never, like, throw me out of the house. or It was a very, like... It wasn't a very hot-blooded environment. Well, you they'd know? been
0: through four kids by the time you came. Yeah, yeah. So. I
1: mean, like, it, it, he forgot my name most of the time, yeah. but... <laughs> But in the midst of that, um, when I was 10, my mother was given five weeks to live with lung cancer, but she survived. But like she was the treatment wound up paralyzing her. She was in a hospital for like a year and a half, like a rehab hospital, like in the middle of this time, everything turned upside down. Yeah. And I never because you only know your life. I never felt traumatized. I never felt like this would have any effect on me. Yeah. I was always like, no, I'm fine. Like, my mom's still, like, totally bossing me around, and, like, she's just in a wheelchair now. You know, like, I took it as nothing happened. Yeah. And, as, and even in therapy, I never really, like, thought that much happened. And it's only, like, as I've gotten much older and I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, man, like, I can trace so much shit back to like everything being one way and then wow. everything being being turned around and right. flipped upside down and then, yeah uh, uh you know it, it, and i think it 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 a couple of things like that a couple of things like that my childhood had some some much bigger impacts i also like i was fearless as a kid like i would da- any dare you gave me i would i would l- do anything dangerous anything you dangerous but you weren't the
0: kid that ate the weird things were you you know, like, I
1: might I'm not so much the gross out kid, but I was the yeah. kid who was like, they'd be like, if you challenged me, like you call me a wimp or you call me yeah. like I'm scared or whatever. I'll fight. I would fight anybody. Oh yeah. I would jump, I would jump my bike over anything. I would yeah. take on any kind of physical challenge. Yeah. And I got an, and, uh, one day I was talking to my wife, I'm like. I'm like, oh, I'm you know, our son's kind of cautious. And I was like, I'm really cautious. He probably got that from me. I'm super cautious. And she's like, What are you talking about? You told me these stories about this, 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 and then you broke your arm, and then you knocked you split your face open and all this other stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, Well, I I guess I used to not be scared. And she's like, Clearly those things made you Cautious. Like, Billy, yeah. you got <laughs> yeah. gravely injured repeatedly as a right. child. Like, I, I broke my arm in like 16 places in a bike thing, got oh my, my cast off, and that day hit my face on a diving board, split it open, my mouth open, had stitches in my face. Like, I uh, jumped off, then got that fixed, then jumped off a chimney and broke, like, destroyed all the tendons of my ankle in a bush, all before I'm like 12. <laughs> And um, and then <laughs> really after that, push the became, edge, man. I became very cautious and didn't. Yeah. But I also was so unself-aware that I never, until this year, did I ever see realize that like, oh, there was a moment when I was fearless, and there's now I'm cautious. In the middle, where a whole bunch of traumas <laughs> that like in my lizard brain learned to be like, don't jump off that. Stay away well, from you
0: know the that, edge that the the whole tr- like when well, if you think about my thing is like I look back and I'm just amazed at the trauma of how much I fucking embarrassed myself. You know that, you know like that's the thing that just kills me if I like lately I've been doing that just sort of like how the hell did I deal with all that shit trying to be what I wanted to be taking all those chances and making a complete fucking fool out of myself. You know, it just it, it hurts my heart to think about what I put myself through and I, I I don't. Well, how do you how do you reckon with the trauma that
1: you went through? Oh no, I mean, I never went to I never went to therapy for trauma. I literally do not feel in myself traumatized in any way. Like I don't feel like anything bads really happened to me. Like I'm a pretty optimistic person in a weird way and like
0: so what did you what was the self-awareness you were lacking?
1: I went to therapy because I was shitty at my life because obviously some stuff was controlling me that was out of my periphery. Like it was out of my view and I wasn't aware. And I never believed that because I felt totally in control. And I felt like, no, 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 I see what's going on. I understand myself. I see other, I always had a much, and it's true, I did have a much more detailed and nuanced view of situations than my peers. Like other kids would just be behaving in these weird ways, and I'm like, no, you're being mean to this kid now because you're an athlete and he seems nerdy. But last year you guys were best friends, and you're right. now denying that because it looks makes you look cool in front of your friends. And can we not just all talk about that? And it, of course, you want to talk about fart in the room and not having any friends, behave like that through your you know teenage yeah. years, right? Um, you know, because I always just be like, let's just talk about what's really going on socially, and then people don't really. That's not what anybody wants to do.
0: They don't want the honesty. No.
1: So when no. when did you? Like, how did you
0: arrive? Like, with all these fits and starts around, you know, band and music. I mean, it seems like there's a big difference between playing guitar in a alt rock band and and you know building what you built with uh, LCD. I mean, what was the shift? What it, it seems like m- maybe DJing was what blew your brain open.
1: Well, there's I think there's two. One is like, you know, I played music. I learned how to do everything myself as a kid. Right. You know, so I had like a certain base of knowledge when I, and then I moved to New York. But I had failed. I had made this record when I was 17. It was a disaster. Um,
0: the one with the guy, the Pyramid guy?
1: Yeah, pyramid, pyramid of Sound, Tom Zepp, Pyramid of Sound. So I failed miserably with that.
0: And it, it hurt, but didn't hurt too much. And who were your bands at this time? Where were you listening to?
1: Oh, uh, Cure, Smiths, uh, Sisters of Mercy, all the four AD stuff, yeah. Um, the Fall, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, um,
0: Chameleons. So you had a tone. There was a tone happening.
1: Yeah, like so all s- m- grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I had the, I had the sound of 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 lonely suburbia. Yeah, but I so I don't know I that was what I was making, and it was it was a flop, and so I moved to New York and everything changed and it became like indie rock happened. And I decided I didn't want to be the guitar player, singer of a band anymore. And I became a drummer. I felt like that was more workmanly. I was going to be like, there was some dignity. It was like the dignity of labor. Like I thought being a drummer was like being a plumber. Like I was just going to be like, I'm going to go out and just work. You write songs. I'm just going to drum. (laughs) Just don't worry about me, man. Like I got this. And so I was a drummer for 10 years, but of course turned, Turned into a recording engineer, built studios, tried to control the band from the drums, uh, made everybody miserable. Ten years? Yeah. Well, from 90 th- 92 to ninety seven, I was a drummer in some bands so like five years. What bands? Um, and, uh, I was in a band called Pony and a band called Speed King. Those were drumming. Um,
0: that was a drum. You weren't singing or anything.
1: You were just drumming. I sang a little bit, but mostly I was the drummer.
0: And so, what? When did that? When did that? Br- <laughs> when did that break your spirit?
1: Well, I was in a band. I got in a band because I met I met a I made a friend at college who was uh, very smart and she was a good writer and we were in writing school together and uh, she wanted to learn bass and I was teaching her bass and I became the drummer and then we became boyfriend and girlfriend and then I did the brilliant thing of like hey let's be in a band together it's so the yeah. worst fucking idea you could possibly have
0: sure and so especially if you're a control freak oh
1: we had this and she, she was aggressive and i was passive aggressive and you know oh. and, and so you know i was the kind of guy who would just like quietly try to change everything without you seeing and she was the kind of person that like always picked a fight at a restaurant so it's like it was a disaster <laughs> like you couldn't go to a restaurant without like some problem that needed to get talked about with this way and, and,
0: and you were the guy sitting there after she stormed off yelling i'm just like
1: I'm, you know i'm like a guy who freezes and hopes no one can see him when something happens <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah i was yeah. like six six you know six foot one 210 pounds of terror yeah of terrified yeah but she was like five foot nothing 100 nothing of pure anger Yeah, and it was just like yeah it didn't work and i um, exciting so i was stuck in this band because we were room, we lived together and we were in a band and we we hated each other but we were in a relationship and you were studying writing yeah that's what i went to college for for fiction fiction writing where at i was a, at nyu Oh wow! So I mean, that's what I was going to be. I was done with music. I was going to be a writer. So okay. So what
0: happens after the? Well, I and mean, that's they... when
1: I meet. That's when I meet Lipsyte. Like that's when I meet Sam. It's like those those early like 1990, 1991. Were at readings and whatnot. Through rock and roll, through Dung Beetle, his band Dung Beetle. Oh yeah, the Dung like,
0: Beetle time. T-
1: to me, still D- Dung Beetle's still one of my favorite bands of all time. Really? Oh yeah. What, they have as much influence on me as anything.
0: Yeah, hold on one sec. Maybe this guy will pass. I never know. Is when someone driving by? No, I just never know when these fucking gardeners are going to come. And yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm in the uh, middle of a conversation.
1: Oh, you're in Los Angeles?
0: Yes, it, it's the uh, the Which leaf a blower. Different animal. The leaf blower event.
1: I thought that was like some. That was a big drum drum drop. I thought no. That,
0: ev- <laughs> every day, dude. It's like you'd be surprised how I. I mean, I'm very sensitive. Like there isn't there's very few minutes in it any day where you don't hear a fucking leaf blower here. Yeah, it's the land of leaf blowers. It's, But it's like, I know that's the joke and like everyone knows that, but if you focus on it, you could lose your mind. Like you you get to a point where I do, where I'm like, can't we just make it only legal on one day, you know, and... (laughs)
1: That's a really, that's the most New Yorker-moved-to-L.A. concept. (laughs) Like, still mad, but about stuff that, like, you're starting to lose what's ridiculous and what's not. Like, by being there long enough, you'll just be, like, eventually, like, I formed a group. We're going to (laughs) stop. Stop the
0: leaf blowers? Well, it's just like garbage day in New York. I mean, it's like, what the
1: fuck? Well, it's always garbage day.
0: Exactly. Same thing, man. That's what I'm saying. Where are you right now?
1: I'm in Brooklyn, this is my studio in Brooklyn.
0: And you've been there forever?
1: No, I mean I'm a man I was a Manhattan guy for a long time, but I've been in Brooke, I've been in Brooklyn now for a long time. So Dung Beetle,
0: you love that Dung band. Beale. What was great love about that. Dung Beetle?
1: I met Sam at a late night party where we were doing drugs and hanging out. Yeah. Um, and talking about books and having this really incredibly intelligent conversation. Like I was like Sam was a very sensitive person. He was very smart. It was the real deal, like talking to him. It was a real talking to the real deal, and I was like, I found this friend. I feel, you know I feel really connected to this guy. It's this awesome, and he's like, my band's playing tomorrow night. You come, so I went and saw them. I, it's a spiral, yeah, down the basement of the spiral on Houston Street. I walked in, and he's they're doing their dung beetle thing, where they're like. Confrontational and like he's acting like a crazy person. The whole band and I'm sitting there with my arms folded, like smiling. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. Go Sam, man. These fucking dummies. They don't know what hit him right? Yeah. And I'm smiling. Him, and he looked at me and I kind of smiled at him, like, hey man, it's me, yeah. you know. And he just like got this enraged face, <laughs> like, uh, like 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 uh, like you smiled at a chimp or something. Yeah. And just started pushing people out of the way, grabbed me by the face while singing and pushed me out the door till I landed on my back outside the club on the floor of the basement. And it was love at first sight, man. I was like, I was like, I was so, I was like, thank you for not accepting my bid for connection. Like, thank you for making sure that I know fucking that I'm on the other side of this wall. I'm not inside the fourth wall here. This is like, there was a commitment. And I used to call them the, in indie rock days in the 90s, everyone was like super like faux, faux humble and like, sorry man, I got a tune, sorry. Like this is all this like apologizing nonsense, like anti-rock star, faux, you know, fake humility. Yeah. And and everyone was very comfortable in that they all felt really comfortable they all felt like they were they were all underdogs except they were all the coolest people in that room so you're underdog to what like some fantasy oppressor uh of hair metal bands or something yeah and um who by, by the way were all much more underdog than these indie rock kids you know yeah right class wise upbringing and all other things but like I just consider them like to be like the drunk uncle in the living room of that indie rock scene. Like they were just the bummer. Like everyone's like having a good time drinking, and then one uncle's like, "Oh, you go to college. You're a college boy now." And you're like, "Okay, just you're gonna it's ruining it for everybody." Like, and I I loved that it was because ru- it was always ruined for me. I was always uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, and I always felt uncomfortable around groups of people who felt comfortable. Yeah. And going to see Dung Beetle made me feel that sense of like no nobody's comfortable here. I'm equal. I'm I've got my feet on the ground and I loved it. I loved yeah. everything about that band. Yeah. It was a total commitment. I went and saw Sam. They did a show at Knitting Factory. I used to run sound for them. And it was a sparsely attended show where both of Sam's parents showed up who had been separated. And I don't know if he engineered them both being there at the same time, but they're in the middle of this dirge where like it's like this like like if, if you can exponentialize the late mid-late mid, late Stooges, it was like the Stooges to the Stooges power yeah. of just like bad ideas, bad vibes, this yeah. dirge. Sam's lying on his back on the floor of the, the not the stage, but the floor between his parents with his microphone in his mouth. <laughs> Reaching out with his hands to his dad, his mom's got his f- f- her coat folded over her arms. His dad's got his hands in his pockets. They're on opposite sides of the stage. He's lying down between them, reaching out with his arms like rolling around the floor. The mic is hands going, "Mom, Dad, why?" Like while the band was like, "Don't, duh, duh. And I'm like, and, and to whom? Like, there's 14 people there at the old knitting oh. factory. And I was just like, this is the greatest performance art. Like, this is like, it was like between, like, yeah, it was between the Stooges and Andy Kaufman in a yeah. way that was just so beautiful and magical. And yeah. I felt like I was witnessing greatness. And I still to this day, not everything great gets its time. Sure. Like this is something that was greater than other things that were happening at the time and it just didn't get its time. It didn't get its day in the sun, you know?
0: That's so wild, man. You know, cuz I I met Sam much later, you know. I met Sam, you know, when he, it was he had already published uh, that first novel, you know. We became friends. But he's like become one of my closest friends over time, but wow, that I have no I have no sense of that, Sam. So it's really nice to hear.
1: But that Sam what's cool is like that the Sam that's like the writer and the thoughtful friend and like the like great sense of humor and like yeah. quiet like you could you could be at a party with Sam and if if someone's a type A blabbermouth they'll never clock how smart and interesting Sam is because well, yeah. he can just he can just exist under that margin like being in that little margin is what I find really fun we, the two of us would just sit there and murmur at each other Yeah but but <laughs> yeah, his yeah. fearlessness as a performer was unparalleled it was just the the greatest thing it was that's such so an funny
0: that's so great yeah because yeah. like he, he he gets a little nervous now when he has to you know
1: i think he i think he got nervous then yeah I, I, you know it's not a lack of nerves it's i guess fearlessness is a bad thing it's like you know
0: oh yeah strength just get, to throw, overcome the fear just throwing yourself into it like yeah. you know you you put yourself in the position it's like you know f- you know fight or flight
1: yeah 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 Okay, so sorry, you asked me a million years ago. I, I'm a tangential person. No, it was, um, it
0: was just sort of the, the the transition you're kind of disgu- yeah. discussing. What was going on, and what you know led you to you know what became LCD.
1: Well, I'm I, after all that, and I kind of got went to therapy a lot to try and change my life, and I broke up with my girlfriend, and I kind of stopped being in that band, and like just, and I started I I built a new studio uh, because I had been storing gear for this guy, and he wanted to. I had to give it back because I lost my studio. I got kicked out. And then he said he had a place where he was like, I want to design a studio. And I was like, well, I can help you design it. We'll make a studio. So I had a nice studio. Um, and he and was, you had he learned was, that you
0: just taught yourself how to do all this stuff?
1: I learned from, I learned, I taught myself and I learned a lot from Bob Weston, and Steve Albini who were like really generous with like design stuff. Albini's uh, great. Me. Yeah, super. I mean, he gave me a ton of information when I first built a studio in 92. Um, without knowing me just like sent faxed me drawings of walls construct structures and Yeah. Stuff. but I met a guy Tim Goldsworthy who was uh, was in this this project Uncle and Moax Records in the UK and he was coming with this guy David Holmes to make a record in my studio not through my connections I did not have cool
0: so this was like you were you were gonna be a writer but you were also this engineer guy yeah okay
1: and, and I know th- th- at this point I had stopped being a writer you know I, I write on my own but like throughout the band I went to college for writing and my fourth year I dropped out because I was in this stupid band with my girlfriend yeah. and then what that happened to her? My life again uh, she had a knit she wound up having a knitting store <laughs> she's a very she was big in the knit world knit community and <laughs> I, is, I don't know what happened to her did, I really don't did,
0: did the anger go away or did she take it out on the knitting
1: <laughs> I mean I don't th- I mean she was cool as shit and like yeah. her anger was like part of her her right. passion sure, and part sure. of her also part of her like strength like I, I think you know if you're a tiny person, like you better be ready to swing. And yeah. so like I, I had this luxury of being like just a big person if I was if I raised my voice I wouldn't take it more seriously. You yeah. Know? But uh I don't know. I, last time I saw her, she was still mad. But um it's been okay. many, many years. Been many, many years since we've spoken.
0: All right, so you gave up writing, you dropped out of college, you're engineering. I'm
1: I'm engineering, I'm on tour as a touring sound man. I'm in the shitty bands drumming. And then at the end of that, in the late nineties, I get my life together. I build a new studio, and in comes this guy Tim Goldsworthy with uh, David Holmes, and he's cool, and he's the coolest person I've ever met. He's like in magazines is cool, his label's cool, he has like cool trainers, you know what I mean? And like you know, I I don't I'm baffled by it. But we start working together on this record, and then we stick together, and that's what that that's the crux of DFA was Tim and I making producing together and making music together. Right. Um, but it wasn't the label yet. Uh, uh, but that was it. That turnaround, that gave me confidence. Because I was like, here I am working with this guy who's like pretty cool. And we yeah. we, we can talk about music. And I'm not beneath him. It's just this weird. It, I always felt like beneath everybody and sort of outside. Yeah. And it gave me the confidence. And then my parents died in 2001. And that kind of turned everything That in a weird way that unleashed me. At
0: the same time?
1: Uh, within five months of each other.
0: Oh, wow
1: it was uh it was a, it was 2000 it was like my pa- mom died my dad died in nine eleven. and after oh. that i was like you know what fucking i'm i'm gonna die yeah. and i'm gonna die scared and having not done anything so that's that's the beginning of, D- of lcd really
0: and and the idea of lcd was just you know what was the personal manifesto of it just to do shit that you wanted to listen to i mean like
1: yeah i mean just to do shit that i wanted to listen to we were having parties i had done Also, I had done ecstasy and for a tightly controlled person who the kind of drugs I did were like really inward, um, you know, I never got blackout. I would like I tried to control, 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 control. Right. Ecstasy was this really external thing. Yeah. And the first instance of that changed me forever. Like it really changed my life.
0: It feels like, you know, when I listen to it, like the type of when you are making dance music, it feels like ecstasy dance music.
1: Well, I, I did ecstasy, and I suddenly realized I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, I like having fun. I like people. I like dancing. What What stops me from doing all of those things is all image maintenance. It's all like, right. oh, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look lame. I don't want someone to, you know. And once I was freed of that, I was like, oh, I'm somebody else. Now I'm going to come down off this. It's it, Also, it wasn't the drug. The drug just got rid of some... Uh, Stops, And what it exposed was something that I felt was very genuine rather than the drug made me a certain way.
0: No, right. You it it it, uh, it it sort of peeled away uh, defenses and opened your heart a bit.
1: Yeah. And and it opened it up in a way that was like, oh, this is totally me. And when I came off the drug, I I did it a lot because I loved it, but I didn't need it. Right. Like once I did it once, I was like, oh, I don't need this drug. This is totally just, it gave me the, it's like sort of like when you have an experience when you're afraid, you're so afraid of the dark, you're so afraid of the dark, you're so afraid of the dark. Then you go in the dark and nothing happens. You're like, oh, the dark's not that bad. Like I was so afraid of embarrassing myself that I went and did this drug and it wasn't embarrassing. And I was like, huh, maybe I don't need to be afraid of myself.
0: uh, That's what I was telling you earlier. The embarrassing trauma is like so fucking weighty, man. That, I div- still
1: think about shit I did as a teenager, and I'm like, oh, I get, like, waves of but you don't horror. But cons-
0: you don't consider that trauma?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's trauma, but,
0: like, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, it's not a brain injury, but still, you know, <laughs> yes. if, it happen- <laughs> if it happens enough, you know. But, yeah. uh, but no, but that's interesting because it seems like, you know, once you, you kind of land in the groove of the band that, you know, you've got this, you know, kind of... Um, almost sarcastic disposition around exactly those fears, you know, Yeah. that you were able to characterize, you know, the ridiculousness of these fears that were holding you hostage, uh, through the, some of these songs.
1: Well, I mean, also like I, yeah. And I, cause I love, like, when I became friends with Nancy from the band, like one of the things we became friends about was like, we love human weakness. Like, I don't like I, i've I have a sense of honor with myself but other than that I don't expect myself to be like great like the sh- shittiness of human beings is like something I don't judge particularly
0: yeah well it's so like, constant why you, you exhaust yourself
1: well no but there's types of shittiness there's yeah, like no, I know Spectrum. Self, there's like gnarly s- gnarly hurtful shittiness and then there's like we one of the things we first connected on was like if you sleep with someone simply because it's just too awkward and weird to leave like if you just wind up like having like like you sleep with somebody literally because you're just like i don't want to go home this is just weird it's just going to be awkward if i get up and go and like that's a weak thing to do but i kind of i really empathize with that type of weakness like that to me is the type of weakness that i'm just like yeah you're fucking human it's like like the way it's the reason people laugh at comedians who are parents who are just like, my kids, they're terrible. You're like, yeah, that's a terrible thing, but I totally can empathize with that human weakness that you have. Yeah. And, uh, like, so I've got no, I've got no beef with, with, uh, with humans being a a bummer. And so like, I can, I can make music about that stuff and be pretty harsh about it, but it's me. And I'm not like, I don't feel like it's like, I love people who are, terrible and who are broken i don't like i'm not like some apollonian ideal of like what human beings should be and you know i don't have who
0: is yeah yeah no well that's all the best part of it i also don't want to
1: know those fucking people like do we want who what what do you have in common with somebody who's like perfect like that
0: i I don't know anybody and and it's usually a lie yeah so it's like yeah anytime you see it you're like oh, there's something bad in there you
1: (laughs) you eat fucking people yeah (laughs) Like if you're perfect, you definitely eat people. It's gotta come out somehow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're you're feeding somehow in not a good way. Yeah. But yeah, because well that well that's I think that's the funny part of some of the songs is that there's a sensitivity of it, you know? That you're not you're not just mocking it like a bully. You obviously are living it somehow. Yeah. It's it's, uh,
1: It's
0: okay. (laughs) So but after this whole arc, I mean, in getting like, w- how do you r- respond to people who are sort of like, well, y-, because I talked to Sharpling yesterday and I told him I was going to interview you. And we yeah. were talking and he loves you. He loves the band. He's a good dude. He's a great guy. Um, yeah, These are these are my two good friends are Sharpling and Sam really and Jerry Stahl. <laughs> I, they're all, you know, we, we're, we're sensitive a lot. But, you know, I we were talking it. about like how, 'Cause I, I said like my one of my, my first reactions was like it all seems relatively familiar, a lot of what you're drawing from. Oh, you know? Yeah. And and yeah. Sam like Sam said, Well he's aware of the pastiche. <laughs> so then yeah. like I had to look up pastiche and then I used it as if I knew the word with Tom. And then he yeah. and he said, Yeah, he's definitely aware of pastiche. And I'm like, Okay. So <laughs> how do you answer for that? Do you do you do you care?
1: I, I never did. Um, I never, never did. I remember just getting these arguments with people. Yeah, that there's like I remember reading the Anxiety of Influence by Harold Bloom, like when I was in college, and having these arguments with all these indie rock bands who were just saying like, oh, I don't listen to you know. I'm like, well, you you sound like Slint, and yeah. they'd be like, no, no, I just listen. I'm like, okay, so you listen to Billie Holiday and. Music, concrete, and Zanakis, and then you just sound like Slint, <laughs> and that's an accident. You just landed miraculously at two guitars, bass, drums, mumbled vocals, and seven-four time. That just that just happened. Lightning <laughs> struck twice, <laughs> and like, I, and I was like, why are you pretending you're doing this for yourself? out of, like, Athenian grown, fully grown from your own head with no influence from somebody else for your lone self. Like, if you don't admit that you're making music partially to communicate with other people, you're doomed to, a, a like, a grotesque lie of aping. And, like, so long ago, I accepted that, like, what I'm doing when I'm making music, I make music for myself all the time. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I write songs every day i play i play instruments every day i don't record them they're for me they're for me they're for my child they're for my wife they're for my friend they're for whatever's happening in that room they're for my own sanity i'll sit down and just play guitar for my own sanity yeah that is purely music for me right i'll sing i'll sing to machines machines hum i sing to them always that is music for me it helps me with my mental state it's just part of my like it's like fucking breathing.
0: Yeah, I I sing but, to the to the leaf blower sometimes.
1: Yeah, you have to. You have yeah. no choice. Yeah. Um but like when I'm making music, I'm making it for other people and it's a communication device. And this yeah. language has words in it and sentence structure and phrasing in it. And when you sit down and write a pop song, you're already working in this trope. Like and and you can use whatever weird synthesizers that no one's ever used before um, but somebody built those things. Right. And you can, like, y- you know, so for me, I'm working in a tradition no differently than a jazz musician or no differently than, like, uh, like a, a, a rapper or, like, a, 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 a tribal drummer or a, a Bulgarian non-vibrato singer. I'm part of a tradition. That tradition is this the canon of what I love in music. Yeah. And I don't, shy away sometimes it's almost like if you're directing a film sometimes as a director you'll take a shot from a hitchcock movie in a way and recreate it with your characters as a way of juxtaposing of bringing that memory memorialized language back into what you're doing and so sometimes i'll find that a song i'm working on reminds me of a song that I listen to. I'm halfway through the song and I'm like, oh shit, this sounds like whatever. And rather than run away from it, sometimes I'll be like, well, I'm going to dive into that and see where that takes me. And that's, and there are songs that I've done that with that have been great successes. And there are songs I've done that with that have been failures. And that's just part of the game. And I don't feel that, I don't feel that falsely trying to peel away my influences so that no one can see them is an honest gesture. That is a fully manipulative gesture. I feel like I'd rather always try to find something new and sometimes I became not as obsessed with something new um and, and there are times when I am obsessed with something new but
0: what's, what's, what's like it what's interesting though is like the 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 familiarity is usually uh it's sometimes it's it's a, a melody but not
1: quite but a lot of times it's just a sound of or a production guitar. technique. Right. Then I'm obsessed with it. I'll become obsessed with like a drum sound of a certain record and I'll be like, I need to figure out how they did that. And that process of figuring out how they did that will lead me down towards making a well, song.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing is that it's all, the, the signature thing that you guys have that despite whatever influences is, is there, it seems to be a rhythmic thing.
1: Yeah. And that's been there. F- and that's part of me. I, mean, I was just playing... Some of the music I found from the 80s for Raina, uh, uh Raina Russum who is in LCD and yeah. does her own music, um, uh, under a bunch of different names, is amazing, 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 amazing artist, and made my favorite song in the last couple of years called Freaks Only. And, and she was saying, like, oh, I can hear, like, that's all those rhythms are here, like, it's yeah. all here in 1984, like, yeah. all that, all the way that you do your thing is here, and I'm like, it's just like that's the stuff I can't shake that's like speaking English or something
0: yeah that's it, it's it, but that's like it's sort of it's sort of interesting because I like I listened to all the records you know some you know uh for yeah you know, I've I've listened to them before but sort of in a row and like you know I felt whatever my prejudgment was before kind of melt away because of the movement of 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 each song and each piece, and 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 sort of the way they kind, of, there's a fluidity to all of it, and it all has to do with the rhythm, which is you know uniquely yours. And I was, you know, it's it's all very fun to listen to.
1: I also don't care if it's uniquely mine, even like I mean, I I read once there was there was a guy who was like, I hate this band because it just reminds me of the Talking Heads too much. It just sounds like he's just doing it. And I and I remember feeling like I was like, okay, like like if what you're shopping for is either originality or the simulacrum thereof like i'm not the store to go to yeah but, you know what, I mean? but, but what does that
0: even look like it you know it looks like you know that that it... early apex twin was pretty genuinely original well like what you trout mask replica all right you want to live in that
1: no i love trout Mac. i mean and I, but also like that still was from a, a lot of traditions they were just traditions people didn't know and we live in a world now where it's a lot hot, harder to hide that stuff Right. when i saw a great i did a i did this weird talk many many moons ago and also speaking on that day but not talking with me because come on it was brian Eno, and he was saying how he was like he said something remarkable he's like it was it's hard to to explain but it was very easy to be new at that time he was talking about like the early like ambient stuff he was like he had gone and seen like cluster and all the german bands and the Krautrock bands and clearly he yeah. had also like he'd also like he was like, no one had thought to just go like, I'm gonna put these things together, and everyone's minds exploded. And it was like, at that time, there was still a lot of ground, uh, like unclaimed, and and like the, the time we live in now, there's far less unclaimed ground, which I think is normal, you know.
0: But yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, there, there, and there's also a lot more accessibility to everything that's always happened. And I get that, like, you know, Captain Beefheart was, a, you know, m- the entire engine was lifted out of Howling Wolf. I mean, I I understand all of that. But it's just. But he's weird. also
1: a very singular guy, in a, Yeah, in a- yeah.
0: But, like, in the Talking Heads thing, like, that guy's very derivative. There's this soul record where it's a whole... rip. Like, it does... None of that really matters to me. But I think, like, when people talk about the heads or they talk about... Or the comparison is really... Because I've been listening to heads outside, you know, before I I knew I was going to interview you. I've been kind of stuck in uh, the live heads specifically that stopped Making Sense Sing. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, because, like, I don't, like, you know, that is... If there's any heads that you're really you know, sort of influenced by that I can hear in the music on a regular basis, it's the momentum of that band live that really well, is... There's
1: footage of them in Rome around the Remain and Light tour that I don't know if you've seen with, yeah. with uh, Adrian Blue playing guitar, and it's pretty whirl on keyboards. It's as good a band as as ever taken a stage, th- right. that era. Yeah. And David Byrne's underrated rhythm guitar player.
0: Great rhythm guitar player.
1: Great rhythm guitar player.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's what he's really good at. He's really a pretty yeah. good lead player too. But, but like his rhythm is like that's it's it's where it's at. It's always been where it's at.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. It's Have you ever worked
0: a, with the- worked with him? Yeah. No,
1: I've met him a bunch of times. Uh, like I would say, I would say we're friendly. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and it's and I and I feel very comfortable separating the guy that I've been like, oh, hey, let's have, hi, with this other guy, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to have the meal.
0: But you do collaborate sometimes, like, uh, it seems like a struggle for you, even just from talking to you, but it seems like you try to. I mean, what was that Bowie thing like? That must have been crazy.
1: That was brutal. Um, I mean, I made a, what happened was I made a mix for Bowie. I made a remix, um... Of a song from the uh, the first Secret album the next day, yeah, it went really great, and everybody really was really happy, and apparently he was quite happy, and um, I he also came and recorded on the Arcade Fire record that I was uh, helping make, um, and he and we met then and you know became friendly and exchanged emails, and um, I remember just being on a trip once and I, uh and writing him an email and being like hey. I, I, I'm away right now, but uh, one of these days, let's. It'd be great to get together, and I would love to make some music with you. Like, I'm, you know, this is a big thing for me. I don't. It's like I'm like the guy that asking for someone on a date for the first time, like working up the courage. And he writes back, like you know, funny you should say that. Please come see me when you're back, and we'll we'll talk. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing backflips, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, I'm gonna make a record with David Bowie, and my idea is like, I'm gonna make a record with me and him. That's it. Yeah. Like I'm going to be like we don't need anybody else. Like, yeah. I can make a record alone, you can make a record alone. Like we're done. It's just you and me. Just come to my studio. Let's make a record. Let's just make a couple songs. If nobody hears it, doesn't matter. Yeah. But he's already underway of making demos and working on stuff. Um and he played me music and I was like, "I do you feel like you can add something?" I'm like, "I definitely feel like I can add something." So the time comes, you know, I've signed all the NDAs. Which album is it? Black Star.
0: Oh, it's the last one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I go to work um, on Blackstar and I come in and I meet the band, the, all the players in the band. Love them. It's an like, insane we,
0: band, dude.
1: Yeah. And they're so nice. Like all of them are so like odd to be there and sweet and talented. And we're joking and it's like a really great rapport. And, you know, they're really like, me. I'm like, what, is this okay? Is what we're doing right? Like they're, they're pretty, you know, David will be pretty like, Great take, you know, and they're like, Am I? I just made this up. Like, is this yeah. okay? Like, and when I walk in, I see David sitting in the chair, and he's like, oh, Hello, you know, and the rest of the band are in the room, like playing. And I'm like, Okay, there's David. He's the, it's the songwriter. It's David. David is the artist. And I'm like, There's the band. They're all playing their instruments. There's the drummer. It's on the drums, covered. Bass player playing bass, check keyboard players playing keyboards. It's a saxophone player playing saxophone. It's like all those positions are totally filled. I look over at the console there's Tony Visconti. Tony Visconti is sitting at the console. That position is covered. Great. And he's got an engineer and a computer op. (laughs) Those positions are covered. Okay. Uh, it's like walking into a cockpit and all the chairs are full and you're like, um, I guess I'll go sit in the (laughs) (laughs) back. Like, so I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I was like struggling to find my way in to this already moving machine. And, uh, And Tony, who I got along with, great. Like, it wasn't like there was like, "Hey, what do you want to do?" It was like he's like, "I'm just working," you know. And these are like heroes'
0: years, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally.
1: Totally. I'm like, oh well. Excuse me while I insert myself in the Bowie Visconti. Yeah. You know, like, hey guys. You know, I don't know. Maybe have you considered what this fucking idiot thinks?
0: Yeah, yeah. The triangle Um, of sound. Anybody?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe you've heard my songs. No, doesn't. You have, and it doesn't matter. Cool. All right, I'll just go back out into the coffee room but so uh, it's it started dawning on me that maybe what my job was I was like what is my jo- eno maybe i'm expected to be the disturber of the process uh-huh. because the remix i did was so disturbing it was like it was a completely like take this thing and turn it upside down and reverse it and put it out this way but that's not what I do with people. Like, I, I've am i only met, you know, like, like, tangentially. I don't know him at all. But he definitely seems to have a kind of confidence that they were not handing out when I was born in 1970. Yeah. Like, he's just like, you know, walk into a room and be like, I've got a great idea. Here it is. Let's all do my idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like i'm gonna wait till everybody leaves i'm gonna try it to make sure it's okay and then i'll work on it alone and then if it's okay i'll maybe i'll let them hear it and if somebody says like i don't want to do that i'll be like okay fine and then i'll be really angry and resentful and then i'll go make my own record in spite like that's i'm not like yeah. I, so i did some small things and i you know played some percussion and like ran their synthesizer through some stuff and i had like a, i was having a good time but i eventually said to him i was like look man I, I think I need to take these things and bring them to my studio and work on them myself. That's the only, that's the instrument I play. Yeah. Um, and it just wasn't a good fit and it broke my heart. Like I had i had to leave. Uh, like I kind of, I kind of talked myself out of a job.
0: Because uh, you know? you're, you're too hard on yourself.
1: No, mm. just because I don't have that gene, man. Like, you know, it'd be, it'd be the equivalent if somebody was really good at sampling. Right. And they were like sampling all these great drum beats and you brought them in, you're like, amazing drums here's the drum set can you play and i'm like that's not what i do at all like i I can't play drums i can make beats that you hear and you think there's drums there but i can't do the thing you think happens to make it happen like i can turn things inside out and turn them upside down but i can't do them in at war with people right right, right, you know in a room right i just can't do it that way
0: so it's a control thing
1: no it's it's more uh i don't like bumming people out i really am sensitive to bumming people out and i'm also incapable of compromise on some level that i can't control right like i i just shut down i need to do it my way right and and i i I simultaneously need to do it my way and i can't say what i need Mm. so ergo alone
0: did you know he was sick yes oh really
1: but we didn't talk a lot about it but yeah you know uh that was, you know, part of what I wasn't allowed to talk about. Oh.
0: You know, so sad. It's, like
1: his, it's his... I mean, it it is so sad. We all go. He... I mean, I don't know a lot of artists. He went too young. But I don't know a lot of artists who get to make a kind of perfect swan song record and die and, like, be with their family. You know I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It's just so... It's, it's interesting, like, because I was trying to think about that. Like, this generation... Because you're a little younger than me, but like you said, it doesn't matter. Once you're in your fifties, that like yeah. I I don't know that I've paid a lot of attention to the last decade or so of Bowie records, but yeah, you know when they die, you're like, oh, it's just it was just nice knowing they were here, you know. like, yeah. it, it, But like, I, it's not like I've been paying that much of attention. But you know, usually what happens is when these heroes die, you, you're you're like, oh my god, I can't believe he died. But what you're really saying is like, I'm dying,
1: I'm dying. Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole generation, it's like we're all it's like when that started, I was like, oh, they're just rationally dropping like flies. Yeah. You know, people who lived hard are hitting an age yeah. and, you know, things things happen.
0: Yeah, you know? man. Yeah. It's just like they were always there for us. So and then the yeah. weird thing is, is, like, they really still are. I mean, you know, yeah. you can, I can go. I listen to shit all the time. I mean, what do you listen to when you listen to stuff?
1: Well, that's the thing. My poor son is like, is he alive? He's learned to ask that. Oh, I like yeah. this. Is he alive? No, he's not. Uh,
0: yeah, but that we um, all did that. I mean, you got, I mean, like, because I, like, I grew up in that sort of crashing wave of the 60s, and like everyone was dead. Like, I remember yeah. looking at Janice Joplin's Pearl and my mother like telling me that she died of a heroin overdose, and I just couldn't put it together. But then you'd flip yeah. it over and see that band, and you're like, oh, there's the heroin. These guys yeah. are heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I, what do I listen to now?
0: Uh, you mix I listen it up a lot of weird music. Yeah, yeah
1: I mean, uh, it, I listen to a lot of things with my son. He really likes uh, he really likes the guitar player John McGeech, who played in like Susan the Banshees and uh, Oh yeah, Pil- Public Image Limited and Magazine. Right now, he's he's been on a magazine kick. He's six, so. I've done wow. my job. Uh, you no, know, he's—he's. It's free. He plays drums, so we play music together. And that's great. He plays. He plays keyboards and drums. Um, I mean, yeah, I've been listening to a Jan Hammer group song. And wow, a, and a magazine song with him because he he heard them and was like, I want them on my playlist. Wow, he has a he has a playlist. Yeah, his oh good. Spotify playlist.
0: Oh nice. And what are you are you guys rehearsing? When do you go out? No, no, no. We're not rehearsing.
1: We we don't. We're not a we're just never an active band. Oh, so um, what I'm, what's
0: going to happen now? Are you going to play some dates? Is that the deal?
1: We'll figure something out when the time is right. Right now, I mean, right now we're on a full hiatus. Like we go we just because of the nature of the band. Uh-huh. When we're not touring, we're just like back to normal life. Like completely. And if I'm making a record, that's my problem. Right. Um, but right now, like Pat the drummers band museum of love has a record out like this today Uh or this week. So he's going to be playing with his band where he's the singer. Um, you know, Raina's got her whole label. Like everyone does other stuff, you know, Al's in London, Tyler's in Berlin. Uh, you know, everyone has their own things going on. So for us to put it together and get together is like, um, we just kind of decide to do it is that gonna be is it
0: but is that are you planning on that or no
1: not yet i mean always in theory you know planning on something but like i i don't want to go out without new music and i'm just getting i just this studio was being built when the pandemic hit and so i was almost done with it and then suddenly it all had to stop for a year and i had to like kind of like on facetime finished wiring up my console with the people who were halfway through it and
0: did you get work done during pandemic none
1: yeah. no work yeah. all i did was finish this place um fish i fished a lot really i yeah i had a baby at the very beginning of the pandemic so like my life has been i also we have a restaurant my wife and i are partners in a restaurant that's that's uh in my neighborhood and uh when the pandemic hit we were just kind of all hands on deck trying to like save jobs and, like, figure that out. Were you able to? Try. Yep. We we didn't go under, and we, we survived and took care of people the best we could. Um, you kind of were of part
0: party. of... You were at the ground floor of establishing Brooklyn as Cool Brooklyn,
1: weren't you? No. When I moved to Brooklyn, I felt I was a little late to the party. I moved to Brooklyn in 2005. Oh, wow. 2005. yeah. So people were already... Like Pat, the, the drummer in LCD, was... Was living in Brooklyn when I met him in '96.
0: But didn't you guys do almost a residency there? Weren't you like oh like a- Yo,
1: Yeah, Brooklyn Steel. We yeah. Played Brooklyn Steel. We played like 24 gigs or something crazy. Yeah. Um. When we when uh, we came back on on tour, but that's just I, I'm I've tried to figure I'm trying to figure out how to be a band. Right. Uh. I don't like playing big shows as often very much. Um. I like them once in a while, but like I more prefer small shows and not small shows, but like. Brooklyn Steel's a big venue. Like they're big. That's a big venue for when I would go see a show as a kid. Yeah, but shows have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. There's but more and more played, people But to you've see played
0: huge there. shows.
1: Yeah, I like it as a festival because I because I can when we play it as a festival. Yeah, I can look at the audience and be like, they're not here to see us. Let's go get them.
0: Oh, like so, I feel
1: like underdoggy. Like I can feel right. like they're all here to see whatever else is on. This so you build. feel pressure? Not that I just don't understand. It doesn't doesn't compute.
0: That they're there like, to see you.
1: Yeah, it just feels, not that, this feels like, sounds like false modesty. Let me I, I don't mean it like that. Let me explain. If I go, I don't, I never went as part of a big audience to see a band. I don't understand that. The biggest shows I ever saw, like, that I ever went to go see were like 2,000 people. Like, that was sort of like capping out at my, like, I'd go see a band that was like 2,000 people, like, this is a great show. Yeah. But I went and saw like, Th- the Jacksons' Victory Tour and the Rolling Stones' uh, Steel Wheels Tour Those yeah. were the only two big shows I've ever gone to see, and they weren't for me. I, somebody had a ticket, I went, and I was like, I felt like it was at a football game. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't compute to me. Right. So when I go play a festival, I understand that there are people that want to go see these bigger things, and this is my chance to like make a fool of myself. It's like being on TV. Like if you're a guest on a, if you're a guest on a talk show. You don't walk out on the talk show and be like, all these people came to the audience studio audience to see me? And right. millions of people are gonna tune in to see me. No, they're there to see Conan O'Brien or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And you're just there to do your dumb thing and there's no pressure on you. Like you're and if you do whatever weird thing that's you and some and one kid is like, I like this guy, you're like, oh, I've communicated. I understand that communication. Yeah. But if you go do the thing and everybody's you're the thing that I don't know what it's like to be the audience of that so I find that confusing not negative not bad I just don't understand
0: that. yeah I, I I find now that I'm performing for my audience even if it's 1500 800 people there's still part of
1: me that's sort of like what are you doing here yes where is <laughs> if you it, wait but if it's a if it's a night yeah with like six comedians yeah. some of which are are like really big you're like oh they're they i'm gonna i'm gonna go bum them out for 40 minutes exactly they a couple to see of people are gonna guy. be like yeah and a couple of people are gonna be like that's my guy yeah and i'm here for those six people exactly yeah and that that just computes easier well yeah
0: it's it, yeah it's not there's it's not the pressure and you don't have to wonder how you manifested this room full of weirdos what is it about you that but, you
1: it's, know, to, but to me it's not even the pressure it's just who am i talking to I know how to talk to people who don't want me there. That makes all the sense in the world. Like, yeah, like when we played, we played Coachella between them, Crooked Vultures, which is like John Paul Jones from fucking Led Zeppelin, and Jay Z, and we played between them at the main stage of Coachella back in two thousand fucking whatever. And I remember being like, "This is perfect. Like, people don't give a fuck about us. Like, yeah. why?" People are just stuck on the field because they don't want to lose their spot for Jay-Z. Yeah. And like now we can just go after him. Like we can be the same we can be Dung Beetle now. Yeah. And like um I met these kids, I met these guys who later on, like, they they were working with me and I couldn't understand why they were like, you know, talking to me. I was like, what how did you find me? Yeah. They're like, well, we went to go see Jay-Z and we wanted to get on the stage inside the, the stage. And we were on the side of the stage. We went on when you were there because we thought we could hold our spots when Jay Z came out. Yeah. And we didn't had no interest in you. And by the end of the show, we really loved it. We thought you were a jam band <laughs> when you start yeah. when you came out because it was like they were like, How can this many like like how can this this like a band with like eight white people and they're playing, there's this many people and I've never heard of them, has to be a jam band. Like yeah. that's, there's no other thing it can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when we, were, when we weren't, they were like, what the fuck is this? And the, I was shit faced and like climbing up and down the monitors and and they were just like, they, they were puzzled as to what this thing was. And that to me, I totally understand how to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I also know how to understand how to play for like... The size venue that I used to go see shows in, because I'm like, oh, you came to see me the same way I went and got, went and saw Echo and the Bunny Man. I get it, yeah. I, I get this. I'm gonna try and give you the best show I can in, under those circumstances. Right. But 20,000 people come to see me. I don't understand that. Yeah. It does. It does. I'm not pressurized. I just don't know what to say. Right. Yeah.
0: Like the, some of you have been misled somehow. <laughs> yes. <Like>.
1: Yes. <laughs> Clearly, there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> and I don't mean like that I don't deserve to people have people like sure. me, but like there, there's a lot of you who are misunderstanding exactly what I'm about. Sure. It's it just I'm not for this many people. Yeah, here I get it. Yeah, I'm definitely that
0: guy too. Yeah. <laughs> it's great talking to you, man.
1: Likewise. Uh Likewise.
0: And I'll say uh I'll, I'll tell Sam and Tom that I had a great time.
1: Yeah, say hi to those guys. That's great. That's uh, a good uh a good duo you've got.
0: Yeah, I will, man. They're good guys. And uh, it was great meeting you, man.
1: Enjoy the leaf blowing.
0: That was James Murphy. I Go listen to LCD Sound System if you don't know his stuff. Go to wtfpod.com slash tour to see my dates and ticket availability in uh, Denver, Salt Lake City, phoenix i think it's sold out the one night i'm there st louis i think bloomington will be added soon yeah we're doing it we're taking it out there we're hammering it out all right okay let's ease into some guitar telly straight into a vibra verb with the built-in reverb and vibrato <laughs> And La Fonda, cat angels everywhere.